The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of MIA Equity and Equity New Zealand. Each year, the Equity Foundation delivers more than 100 masterclasses, workshops, film screenings, in conversations, international scholarships, and on set internships free of charge for Equity members. We give our thanks to our principal sponsor, Media Super. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for coming today. We will just get started. Again, good afternoon. As you know, my name's Alex Jones and I'm the Program Manager of the Equity Foundation. And today I have the very great pleasure in introducing our special guests, Camille Friend and Cecily Stovall. Before we commence, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations and pay my respects to all the traditional owners of country and all throughout our country and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters and culture, and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land and we pay our respects to elders past and present. As always, I want to take a minute to thank the Equity Foundation's principal sponsor, Media Super. Media Super has supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry super fund and they can help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice. And they're fully equipped to assist you, so don't hesitate to contact them. And if you don't have the contact details, just double check with me. Now, just a quick notice that of a reminder of the pilot scheme that the foundation has started in Sydney. It's about taking the stress out of self-testing for equity members. Every Monday, our self-test studio in Redfern, Sydney is staffed with a professional camera operator and a reader. So you can make a one-hour booking and everything will be handled for you. So just go to our website and uh, make a booking on a Monday. And it's, of course, open the rest of the week, and as well as in the other states, but uh, there isn't a reader or a camera operator provided. This is a pilot program, and if it turns out there's a real need for it, we are hoping to make it permanent and roll it out to the other states. All right, so now please welcome Camille and Cecily. Thank you so much. So honored to be here. And uh, I'd like to also acknowledge that today I'm on Wurundjeri land and paying respects to elders past and present. Um, my name is Cecily Stovall, and I am so honored to be um, introducing you all to the amazing Camille Friend. Um, I won't go through your whole background just because uh, hopefully everyone read that on the email that came through, but um, Camille is a, a, an Oscar award winning hairstylist and makeup designer uh, in the industry in the US amongst many, many other films, uh, lots of films in the Marvel universe, as well as the recent Little Mermaid, which I know my four-year-old daughter is kind of obsessed with. So um, Camille, it's an absolute honor to welcome you to um, and introduce you to our Australian and New Zealand equity community so welcome thank you so much thank you guys for taking time out of your day to hang out with us and have a little chat <laughs> absolutely um so you know we we know that you're on the other side of the world it's uh, in your evening so we'll just kind of get started because you've been around you know you've, you've been up all day um but I would love if you could you know kind of start at the beginning for us and give us a little bit of context around your background I know you started as a 
you know, a hairstyler, a hairstylist uh, with your own business before moving into film and TV industry. So tell us a little bit about that and how you made the move. Okay. I am. So hi to everybody. And again, thank you guys for coming out. I very much appreciate you spending your time. And, you know, just here to, I just want everybody to come with the open heart and just know that none of this is a personal attack on anyone. We're here to discuss and I'm always here to make the world better. That's what, that's what I'm here to do. And I always like to come in love. So I just want to preference everything because sometimes race is, is a tough conversation. So I'd like to always preface it with that. So to Thanks. answer your question, how I got started. So I am a third generation hairstylist. So I have many, many people in my family who are hairstylists. So I never wanted to be anything else but a hairstylist. So I grew up in the salon, like I love the smell of the salon. I know that's weird, but I love all the signs and the smells of the salon. It's like, you know, it's like the best perfume for me. So it's something that I truly <laughs> love. And I started out, I started out in a very small town. I'm from a very small town called Tempe, Arizona. And I started there. I went to beauty school, worked in salons, did my thing. And then I fell in love. Ha ha. Came to LA, you know how long that lasted, probably about five minutes. But <laughs> then I ended up staying in LA and literally falling into the film business. It wasn't something that I had imagined. And I always say that God and the universe and my spirits and ancestors had a bigger plan for my life than I even knew. So falling, literally falling into the film business. I the one of the first movies I did. They, I went and they were like, this movie's turning union. I'm like, what's the union? What are you guys talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. And from there, you know, it just, it just really took off from there. And so, and, and now I'm here and, you know, I have to say it's through a lot of hard work. It's through diligence and being excellent in what I do and, and always thinking about, you know, different things, thinking about what's best for our actors, what's best for production being a production friendly hairstylist you know that's that's always tricky but you know just you know be able to do the right things and and listen to people and be kind to people and do my job in excellence and always trying to create iconic looks so that's what I do brilliant and so in that movie you know, coming from Arizona into LA into the film and tv world particularly getting into a, a union job can you talk a little bit about what you noticed or what you saw with regards to the hairstylists and skills or backgrounds that they had and maybe any surprises you found there? Well, honestly, I didn't really even know anything. Like I really came from being in the salon and then going into, you know, going into the into the film business. But as I've gone along, you know, this is the thing. You always in any kind of job, you're going to have people who do their jobs in excellence. And you're going to do people who do good, some people that just do good enough, and then there's people who just want to be okay. And, you know, I always tell my staff, if you work for me, you're going to be excellent. So if you're good or if you're okay, you're probably going to quit in the first two weeks because <laughs> what I require is excellence. And if yeah. you're not here to be excellent, if you're, if you're not here to be great, if you're not here to like, you know, I, I always think about like making iconic characters. And bottom line is, I always say this to people and also people work for me, we are here to serve. My mantra is, how may I serve? So when I walk in the trailer in the morning, it's how may I serve? Because that's my job to serve. Yeah. Did you find, you know, it, especially in those early years, okay, you show up, you're there to serve, 
were you often the one who was sent to work on people either with textured or curly hair? Um, you know, because oh, of course, of course, especially like originally when I started out. So the six degrees of separation is I started on a movie called A Thin Line Between Love and Hate. That's the one that went union. So from there, there was a lovely woman. Her name is Simbi Kali. Simbi Kali said to me, I did this pilot for NBC and they said that I could bring a hairstylist to do me. And I was like, oh, okay. So who knew? I I go to the law to go do Simbi Kali, went to go do Third Rock from the Sun, and I was there to do her. And they told me that I was on a 30-day, like, you know, I was on a 30-day notice, it, like how it was going to go or how it wasn't going to go. And I remember going home, like crying my eyes out, going home, and my best friend, God rest her soul, she's passed now. She passed of breast cancer. Hey said to me, she goes, you know what you're going to go do? I said, what? She's like, you're going to endear yourself. You're going to do whatever people ask you to do. She said, you're going to do everybody's hair. She said, you know, you can cut. She goes, those guys, when they sit in your chair, you're going to give them the best haircut. And I'm going to tell you this. To this day, Joseph Gordon Levy, he will call me or text me if he doesn't like who cut his hair. And he'll be like, Cam, can you come by the house and cut my hair? So... <laughs> That was part of not only I was there to serve, but it was the skill level and I was willing to do what it takes to do the job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I'm hearing some, some like nuggets that I think are really interesting to pull out of there. Um, you know, the, the idea that it was circumstance that got you on set in the first place, but that you sort of had to prove yourself not only to be able to do the person's hair who you've been brought in to do, but also have the skills and capacity to do everybody else on set's hair. And I think sometimes Correct. that's what you're hearing about hairstylists or people who are trying to get in. There's sort of this double standard that um, it's okay if you don't know how to do everyone's hair because we can bring in a specialist for that. But if you are a specialist and you get there, you have to be able to do everybody's hair or else we only have value for you when there's somebody with textured hair or curly hair. Right, right. Yeah, that's no, I mean, 100% that that definitely goes on. And I'll tell you what really has been very interesting and challenging as you know, and this is something that we're still working out here is if people come in as a specialist, they should be paid as a specialist. Mm. They should also get like they should have a title. They should have equity, not just come in as a hairstylist or a makeup artist. They should have equity in in the department because what happens is people can do a lot of different jobs, but all they have is hairstylist, 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 or makeup artist, makeup artist. They don't have any equity in the sense of they're not department head, they're not a key, they're not like a third. So those are things that we are still working on internally to change for people. Yeah. So flipping that from the hairstylist, I guess, to the artist, um, you know, I think it's probably depending on who's in the room today and who's joining us. Um, it's it's quite often. I mean, I'll say it for myself that I've gone to uh, be on set and you sit down and you you know cross your fingers as you're walking into the trailer that there's going to be someone who doesn't look at you with the um, face that you you know you get when you come in with your natural hair. Um, you know, talk a little bit about maybe what you experienced maybe in those early days when you were on set seeing. Black actors or actors with textured hair who were sort of expected to be able to do their own hair or my favorite line, which I mean, I would say probably have heard at least 30% of the time that I've walked in. 
oh, your skin is so great. You know what? We don't actually need to put any makeup on you, which, you know, is a, a euphemism for, I don't know how to do your makeup. So I'm just going to tell you, you look good. Yes. I'm going to tell you, and this is just sincere. On my watch, those sort of things don't happen because I've always had a voice and I've always tried to make sure to take care of, you know, any actors of color that come in. Not only, like you say, you could say African-American, but also if you're Native American, like, you know, like there's certain, like even religious things that people should be aware of when actors sit in the chair. It goes across the board. So, you know, early on, I think it was, and still, I mean, it's still challenging, but early on, I think there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of black hair and makeup, but, you know, succeedingly, definitely since, definitely since everything that's happened in the world, it has changed a lot. The unions have really, really opened their doors and made it much more simple for people to get in because it is a complicated process to get in. It is complicated. I don't lie to people. I don't sugarcoat it. It is. But if you stick, you know, if you stick with your agenda, if you keep going, it will happen. But definitely there are situations where I've even seen it in the trailer where I call it, you know, the head pat, pat you on the head. And I remember I had to tell, I had to tell a young lady, this young man is not a dog and he is not your child. So you don't have a right to pat you, pat him on the head. You pat him on the head because you don't know. So I always take those as teaching moments. So those are moments where I could say in the trailer, okay, let's break down what this hair texture is. Let's break down the product. Let's break down on, you know, how to do it. So I think that's what's really important in this. Also, I think as a department head, you have to make better choices in the sense of a lot of people pick their friends. And I'm going to tell you, I think one of the worst thing you can do is, is hire your friends for a couple of reasons. First of all, and I've experienced it. I mean, everything that I say, say today, I've experienced. So in the sense of it's not, it's not viable, it's not good to hire your friends. First of all, they're your friends. Of course, you have them to hang out on the weekend, but in the, in the trailer, sometimes they don't want to listen to you. They don't want to work as hard as you want them to be. Like there's no, 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 no. So I hire people who are there to work. And if you happen to be my friend, that's great. But hiring the right people for the right job is important. Instead of hiring just even producers, just hiring whoever, you need to hire what the needs are of the actors that are in and who are in the production. That's really, really important. Sure. So, all right, I guess on that idea of hiring, you know, we've kind of talked about why it's so great to have representation of people who are familiar with hairstyles, but the reality is, and I'm sure, you know, the folks who are the producers and, um, uh, you know, all the production coordinators will say that the reality is we actually have to use who we have. And particularly being in Australia or New Zealand, where there are so few practitioners in general, who know how to deal with textured hair, um, you know, sometimes we've got to use what we've got. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts or tips for people who are already in the roles to upskill or to continue learning about how to, you know, things like, you know, don't pat someone on the head or don't say, yeah, uh, it's so beautiful as it is. Like, how do you learn that stuff? Well, I think especially now what we have, what is so simple, we have the World Wide Web, we have the internet and like you can take classes. Like I take a lot of classes on. So every major manufacturer, I mean, Redken, oh, Schwarzkopf, L'Oreal, every major manufacturer 
right now has texture classes that you can look at. You can go to YouTube television, YouTube TV, YouTube university, and you can, you can go and you can learn. Also, I tell people, if you don't understand it, get a mannequin, get a mannequin that is, you know, a, a, a hair type of four, A, B, or C. Like go get a mannequin, look at these videos, practice, 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 practice. Also, I'm just gonna shameless plug, but also my company, Hair Scholars, we teach, we teach texture classes. I teach you how to be a department head. Anything that you need to know, the information is out there. You just have to do it. You have to practice it. You got to look for it. And actually, in this day and age, you really don't have to look that far from it. And it's our due diligence as hair and makeup artists to no matter who sits in our chair, we should have a scope of, of what we can do. So yeah. I think it's really on us as a community to be better. We need to be better to the people that we serve because ultimately, if the actors are not sitting in the chair and we've just experienced that in the US, if the actors are not sitting in the chair, we don't have jobs, so. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to even hear further your take on, you know, if you've seen an impact or seen things happen in, you know, in the US where, those things didn't happen and what happened, you know, like actors feeling dehumanized or people feeling like they weren't represented. Like what is, what's at risk if we don't engage? Well, I think we risk, I mean, we risk so many things. You know, I've met so many actors who I've had actresses like talk to me on the phone and they're like, oh my God, I looked you up. You are a woman of color. Even people who are not necessarily even, even people who are not African-American. But knowing that I'm a person of color, that I care, like I care what happens to you. I care what goes on with your hair. I'm here to protect your hair. So I think consciously, that's what we all have to do. We really, really have to do. And we have to change. We have to change the standard and the image. And I think, you know, I don't know what, how it is there, but, you know, problems, some of the problems starts, you know, culturally in the sense of when you go to beauty school, beauty schools, even in the U.S., do not teach about textured hair. So again, it's education, it's education, it's education. So, you know, what you don't know doesn't hurt you sometimes, but it's good to know. So, and I call myself, I call myself, I'm a very curious person. I'm nosy. So I'm <laughs> always looking, I'm always seeking, you know, I'm always, you know, I'm always, I'm curious about life. And as hairstylists and makeup artists, you have to stay curious about life. There's always new products. There's always new techniques. There's always changes. So it's important that for us to stay on top of our game, like we, we have to know that. Like sometimes I just go to the beauty supply and walk around and I ask them, what, what's the hot product right now? Like what's going on here? What is this? What is that? Just because I need to know what the new stuff because there's stuff coming on the market all the time. So, you know, just staying curious and exploring is I think is really, really important. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to shout out that I love that there are some emojis coming through um, as we go on. Um, what we, are the emojis? That's new to me. Someone was like thumbs upping you. It was oh, like a little bubble. Did everybody see that or was that just on my screen? I did. No, I did too. I saw it the other day when I was on a Zoom and I said, huh. <laughs> they like you, Camille. That's what they're trying to say. <laughs> um, as we go along, folks, feel feel free to drop many questions in the chat, um, particularly if something Please. is in your head. Um, we'll, we'll get to as many as we can.
Anne, and I'm happy to incorporate those in my questions as we're going along. Um, okay, so I want to switch back to you a little bit and hear more about your background and experience. Obviously, you know, you told us you were sort of brought in very specifically, and now your uh, your portfolio of work is quite vast. Um, and one thing that I think is really fascinating is the uh, the Black Panther series. Um, obviously, that is a, a film that is sort of essentially the first Black Panther is set, you know, in Africa. So you kind of understand African hair, but Africa is a continent, as we know, not necessarily a country. And so you would have been tasked with kind of creating microcultures in this universe. Um, and then obviously with the second one, creating underwater characters and all kinds of things. So I want to hear about your experience kind of defining and developing culture, um, particularly ones that are made up. Well, you know, I'm going to say this. I, with, in designing hair, I call it the world is my oyster. So, you know, it's it's like you can go from left to right, right to left. But I'm going to say this about the first Black Panther. The first Black Panther was really how I designed it. It was in three parts. So I thought about, you know, what is traditional African culture? So you have your traditional. Then one part, you have your modern, which I call Afrocentric. You know, you have that. And then the third component was your Afropunk. So that was the first, that was the three components that how I designed the first Black Panther. And going to into Black Panther, the first one, like we had a lot of, time like they gave us a lot of prep we had a lot of prep time so there was so many times that we had meetings we were congregating together you know we were sharing information like so much information about different things you know really looking at what tribal hair looks like what trap tribal tattoos and then breaking down the tribes and saying okay this tribe is going to look more like the zulu tribe we're going to look we're going to do the maasai tribe over here so like really categorizing like how it was going to look. And then, you know, really getting into the execution. And one thing, like I said, I do a lot of teaching. And, you know, one thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to call it the Black Panther effect. When we started Black Panther, even hair, like what I'm wearing, was, wasn't easy to find. So anything that was a four, A, B, or C, forget about it. Like you were yeah. not finding it. So everything was, like, I, I always say that was a labor of love because we worked so hard. On the second one, we didn't work as hard. Because, because honestly, the Black Panther effect has happened because it was hair. Like there's hair of all textures, shapes, colors, length. So it was a total, it was, it was a different experience in that sense. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, and you know, just deciding early on on Black Panther that I was gonna do natural hair we weren't, it's not going to be no blow drying and pressing and curling. We weren't going to do that. And Ryan, and Ryan Coogler was the one who said, yes, Camille, let's do it. And I was like, are you sure? Is, are they going to come get us for this? But, you know, as we know, the movie turned out very successful. And, you know, in order for us, I call, I call Black Panther really is my love letter to Black hair and to Black people. And that's mm. what it really is. And I think, that message came across so strongly, especially in the first one, because, you know, it just hit the world as a juggernaut. And some movies, and you guys understand this, some movies, it's not about, sometimes it's about timing. What's going on in the world? What's going on in the atmosphere? 
you know, all the even political things, what is going on in the world that's moving. So that's sometimes how a movie hits. And the, and Black Panther is one of those phenomenons that hit. That's how it hit. So. Yeah, I think that's a really important point about the representation that we see on stage, on stage, on screen and seeing, you know, natural hair be beautified and natural hair be normalized as opposed to it having to be, um, you know, the 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 other or the different thing that it's just, this is where everybody right. is, which is exciting. How did you, like, how did you advocate, you know, especially Black Panther one, when you're saying, you know, the wigs weren't there, the hair wasn't there. Like, how did you advocate for what I'm assuming would be maybe a larger than initially budgeted, um, you know, need to create what right. you needed to get the look? Well, I'm going to say this about Marvel. One thing about Marvel that I love about, and I'm going to say old Marvel, not new Marvel, old Marvel. Because Marvel has changed, old Marvel. Old Marvel was a place that, as a creative, the doors are open. They give you the the lot, you know, the lot latitude and longitude to be creative, and they also give you the budget. So very important thing. I'm being honest. I'm just being. I'm just being straight up honest. And so the beautiful thing we had the budget to make that movie, and you know, from the beginning, I was really, I was grilling, I was grilling Ryan Coogler. Are you sure we're really going to do this? Are we going to do it like that and do it like this? And also the executive producer Nate Moore. I was like. Be really, is this really going to be tribal or is this going to be fake? And they're like, no, Camille. I'm like, we'll see. I was like, I know this is going to be cut out. And they were like, no, we're really going to do it. So, you know, everything that, that happened, it turned out again, you know, a beautiful, beautiful movie. And, and Marvel's just a great place that has supported me. And I've done, I think as of now, maybe I'm, I think I'm at nine or 10 Marvel movies. I can't remember and they've been a great supporter of my career and, you know, allowing me just to play and, and do the things that I do. And I love playing with superheroes and, you know, and exploring, you know, new characters and even, you know, new universes, like even in Black Panther 2, we got to, you know, explore the whole Mayan and Latin community. And I was very, I was like, I wasn't nervous, but I was like, we have to do this right. We have to, have to, have to do this right. And no matter what culture I do, and I even did some research for another movie recently that I'm not going to do, but I helped them do the research because the culture has to be right. Yeah. But I'm just going to say that. I can't say what movie it is, but it's a big one. It's a Disney, but I can't say. But I, I helped with the research because that's how important it is to me. It's, the, you know, it's about whoever's culture you're representing, represent them right. And, you yeah. know, especially for me too on the second one when you know when the first one was african-american children the second one with the latin children are you know like hit me up on instagram we, we love this movie you made us so proud you know that's what it means to me man that's that's what's important that's what's important yeah so uh, connecting that to going back to the artist, you know, an, an actor sits in your chair and let's say it's not a, a Wakanda Forever or a Black Panther, let, but let's just say, you know, this is a person who is playing their own identity or playing an identity that's similar to their lived experience. How do you, as a hairstylist, I mean, you know, you are a, a African-American woman, but let's say you have another African-American, let's say, I'm, excuse me, I'm sitting in your chair, right? And right. how do you best ask me or invite me into the conversation about representation while maybe like 
you know black women's hair, but you don't know Cecily's version of black women's hair. So right. how do you invite that conversation in either with someone who is similar in, in identity or maybe someone who is not the same in identity while holding on to your expertise as a hairstylist? So I I love that question because I'm gonna refer to also in the new SAG contract. One of the biggest thing that's in the new SAG contract, if you guys don't know, is about consultation. It's about having consultation. Consultation is important. You have to have it. It has to happen, period, at the end. So I would first have a consultation with you prior to you sitting in the chair. Consultation is not the day that you sit in the chair. It's like, I mean, it's two, it's two days, it's three days. And don't get me wrong, we all know production changes. I know things change, they go in and out. But collectively, so I'm going to call you. I'm going to call your assistant. Ring, ring, ring. Hi, I'm Camille Friend. I'm the hairstylist on blah, blah, blah. I want to ask you some questions about your hair. You know, things like, what's your hair texture? How do you want to wear your hair for this character? What kind of product do you use? Is your hair colored? If, is your hair color treated? Um, you know, do you wear a twist out? Do you wear a two-strand twist? What, how, how do you wear your hair? Do you wear extensions? Do you wear a wig? What products can you use? What are you allergic to? Like, I'm going to already ask you this before you sit in my chair. There's, oh, okay, digging deeper. Because I think something that people quite often don't know, particularly about Black hair or Black women's hair, Black, black textured hair, I'll, I'll put it at that, yeah. um, is how much prep has to happen before we actually get to the chair. So, um, right. you know, an example I'll take of my own life. Recently, I was going to be on set for something and they changed the day. And it's like, well, that changes my wash day. That changes my prep day because you wanted me to have a twist out. And now if I need to have the twist out on Friday instead of Monday, washing my hair on Saturday won't last that long. So now I need another wash day in the middle. You know, there's so much right. stuff to go on in the background that I think oftentimes people don't know about. So is there language that you use in that two to three day in advance conversation that maybe, you know, some of our folks who are here today um, might take to be a little bit more sensitive to the pre-work that happens when you're dealing with someone who has textured hair? Well, I think you, one of the great questions you can ask them is how do you prep your hair? Like, you know, again, if you're doing it, like if you're doing a twist out, how long, how many days does it last? I do, I mean, do we need to do it every night? Do we, I mean, how do you, like, how do you maintain your hair? That's one thing you can ask people. Other thing is, I'm just going to be very honest. Black Panther is done with wigs because of like certain issues, because I can watch, like I watch shows all the time, especially I've been at home way too much. So I've been watching TV shows and I can tell, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with using people's natural hair, but I can tell the difference because the hair and the continuity is usually a little bit off because the hair is going to change. So a lot of times that's why I'll, I say, let's, let, let's wear a wig and maybe we leave out your hairline or we leave out your part line in order to establish your character in something that is gonna be easy breezy for you. And then two, we're not stressing your hair because you know, again, you're getting into like what a wig, you call it a protective style. So something where we're protecting your hair. So when you come in, it's something that's gonna be very simple for you. And the last thing that you need to be worried about when you're sitting in the chair is your hair. You should be able to, to be in your chair, read the newspaper, go over your lines, talk to your kids on Zoom, whatever you need to do, the last thing is she'd be worried about is the hair. And then mm -hmm. also 
I'm going to say this. Um, when it comes to African-American hair, it's important to prep. Again, if a person, let's say a person has, I'm just going to say, if they have a two-strand twist, so that's something that is not going to happen in the morning. So you have a couple decisions to make. First of all, if it's two-strand twist, and let's say she says that she her hair looks good for the first three days. So have her either, she's going to come in the day before, and somebody in the trailer is going to twist her. And so it, she'll be ready for in the morning. Or if she's going somewhere, that's like going through production. And I say to production, okay, we need to send this actress to ABC to get this done. And this is how much it's going to cost. So the production is paying for it. Or, or C, hey, how about if we, how about I have a wig here that matches your hair texture? How do you feel about doing ABC? You know, there's like always have, you know, or extensions or anything that you want to add to the hair to make it to make it more simple. Because doing African-American hair, it is more time consuming, but you have to have the conversation, the consultation. You have to have the talk with production. So everybody's on the same page. And a lot of times if you tell production, they don't want to give me a three hour pre-call to do somebody's hair because that puts that puts you already on the clock. I'm already on the clock. That's on the back end. That's time and a half, double time, blah, 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 turnaround time. I know all of it. So talk to them in terms that they understand. Have her come in for a few hours the day before or two days before. Let's prep her so the day of we don't run into those problems when we're shooting camera. Yeah. I mean, th that is, I think, the reality is that the extra time is time. And um, it, it can be a hard battle when we're trying to fight for representation and see more visibility, particularly things in like guest roles or TVCs or things like that. Yet we allocate the exact same budget for someone, you know, someone with natural hair or someone with locks or someone, um, you know, who maybe is First Nations in our, you know, Australian or New Zealand context that has right. a different hair. Um, so, you know, maybe that is a bit of a consideration that on the back end, we need to think about what that representation will require when we're trying to diversify. You have to think about it because, yeah. I mean, in the trailer, you only have so much time. That's just the truth. What a good segue. I have a question uh, about the trailer yeah. that's come through. Um, and I just, like, I wanna hear your take on what it's like, um, you know, in the trailer. So the question is just a comment about how being in the chair is always a nice way to warm up and relax and set up for the day. So besides the fact that you were definitely confident and capable about doing what you're going to be doing to this person's hair head, um, what what are your favorite things that happen either like behind the scenes or in the trailer? Like what's your what's your vibe and also like what what kind of gossip do you get as sort of the the people who receive <laughs> the day i mean i'll put it this way always in the morning i'm a morning person in the sense of i like the mornings always come in the trailer and put on some nice music you know we can put you know we can put we can put the nice you know um oils going like you know if people are oil sensitive or smell sensitive then we don't but you know and like just I just like ease into my morning and then I always the other thing I do is read my sides you know I read what are we doing for the day so we're prepared for the day and then in the morning I'm a person I don't really eat in the morning in the sense of I've just learned over the years just too much cold food and you know cold eggs are not good for Camille so like I've learned over the years, I do a lot of protein bars. I do protein shakes. Like 
it, this is just one thing I've learned over the years. I just don't eat a lot during the day just because it makes me tired and it doesn't make me feel good. So the, the, and, and especially when I'm working and I, I just lived, but eating clean is important to me because, you know, if you eat a stack of pancakes at like 7 a.m. by 11, you're pretty tired and you're sleeping. You're sitting on bed. You're like, so, you know, like, like, you know, feed your body and do those things that help you in the day to be, you know, be, be your, be your full self. And that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Okay. And great. of course, of course I hear gossip. Of course I do, but you know, we're like a steel trap, you know, <laughs> you know, but people, and, and you know, and this is what you always have to realize because I even overhear conversations because people now are talking on their phone. They're on zoom with their managers, agents, and I'll just be looking down. Cause I was like, I didn't hear anything, you know, because that's part of it. And I mean, back in the day we used to have, like, I used to, I had a subscription to every magazine you could think. I used to carry around like 30 magazines a month with me to, to set, but you know, those, those, those kind of days are over. And I always have my iPad also there. People like to scroll sometime and do their thing. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we, we try to do. And then, you know, one thing people kind of like in the winter time is they kind of like a warm chair. So I always like to, do a, like a heated blanket or a throw, you know, just little things to make people happy. You know, if, if it's an espresso or if it's a coffee or, you know, whatever we need to do, that's what we do. Well, I mean, you are Camille friend. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty expected that it's going to be a pretty friendly environment in your room. Um, some of your career experience is an absolute dream. I mean, I think, you know, being in Australia and New Zealand, we do get some really exciting big projects, but you've kind of done like heavy hitter after heavy hitter, uh, you know, Marvel films, Little Mermaid, Hunger Games, you know, lots of good stuff on your, on your resume. Are there any projects that you are just either like so proud of or any moments uh, or any collaborations that made you just feel like I'm in the right spot? Um, I think throughout your career, there's things that happen that, you know, that, you know, make you happy. And, you know, of course, an Oscar nomination after, like, that was my third time. And I was like, you know, God, if this is it, it's going to be it. If it isn't, then I'm going to keep going. So, you know, I had been to what they call the Bake Off. The Bake Off is like, the pre the pre ceremony and you don't know if you're going to get nominated from there and so you know I've been to the bake off you present your movie you get all fluffed up and beautiful and you go and you present your movie to the academy and so I was really like I was and, and on this last one I was like if it doesn't happen I'm going to be okay so and then they really set you up now they send you all these emails and they say can you can you have two cameras on you and lights now you have to know this is like five o'clock in the morning. They want you looking good. So if, if you do get announced, they actually use the clip. So, and so it was funny. I was like, well, I'm having the makeup artist there at 4 a.m. Because I want to make sure I look good just in case this goes down. I don't want to miss this moment. So thank God I had the makeup artist come and I had friends. I had actually friends at my house. But the funniest part is after they called my name, I literally went blank and I don't usually go blank. But literally, I kept saying to my friends, are you sure they said my name? So they had to keep playing it back for me on the TV like five times. So I kept having to see my name pop up, pop up, pop up, because I didn't believe it. And, you know, like, you know, there's beautiful things. I mean, like, I'll just say, like, 
a movie that I still love and I stand by is Ray. Ray happens to be still one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. It means so much to me. And J.B. Fox gave me a chance when nobody did. J.B. Mm -hmm. Fox gave me my first department head job. So, you know, like, like I remember people like that. You know, I remember like those, those like steps because all these careers are steps. And I'm like, when I did Dream Girls, I remember I had no reason doing Dream Girls. I didn't have the resume. I didn't, I didn't have the resume, but I worked really hard to get that movie. I was flying back and forth between LA and San, and San Francisco. I see somebody with the San Francisco bridge there. I was flying back and forth between LA and San Francisco doing camera tests for Dream Girls and also doing Pursuit of Happiness in San Francisco because I was like, I don't have this movie yet. I don't have Dream Girls, but I'm going to just keep going until they say yes. And you know, sometimes you just have to keep going until they say yes. And I'm going to make you say yes eventually. <laughs> Um, I just want to uh, um, say yes. Right, you're gonna say it. Um, again, remind everybody who's joining us today. We really welcome your questions in the chat. Um, I will come to you in just a few minutes. But um, I think maybe my I'm, I'll, I'll say last, but I'm probably not telling the truth here. But my last kind of question to you before we open it up is um, just on what you were saying. Oftentimes, there's this dream out there, this goal out there. And for people who are marginalized or underrepresented for whatever reason, whether that's race or disability or um, you know, background or whether they went to school or not, you know, for whatever reason, that that moment when you get in and someone believes in you can be the game changer, you know. Jamie Foxx, it could be one yes from him might have been the reason that you wanted, you know, or in yeah. that contention you know so whatever it might be right like um so I guess the last question I have for you is what would you say both to the person who is there standing knocking on that door and also to the person who has the ability to pull it open mm -hmm. again I say don't take no for an answer it's really important also for people to give people a chance I give people a chance a lot and most of the time it works out. But if it doesn't work out, I don't take it personally. Mm. Like if it doesn't work out, I don't take it personally. And you know, I'm I'm famous for on set, it's called the walk and talk, where you know, you might be you might be acting up a little bit, and then Camille comes in and say, Hi, can you step over here? Let's have a talk. I'm very good at having a talk with people. And 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 when I have a talk with people, it's not yelling, it's not screaming, it's just saying to them. You know, sometimes people don't get on set. When you're on set, you shouldn't be on your phone all the time. So it might be just correcting people and saying to them, you know, you're not supposed to be on the phone all day. And they'll be like, really? Yes. So, I mean, because you have to remember, people come into this space. They don't, they have no training. They don't know what to expect. And, and you know, and that's part of the things that I teach at Hair Scholars is teaching people on that first day how to show up to keep your job. You know, like that's one thing we talk about. It's like coming in with the right ethics, coming in, be willing to learn, coming in with a good attitude. So I think all of those things are, you know, important, like being on time. That's yeah. important. We're in a business, time is money and being on time is important. Yeah, well, I think that's a really, really important point because oftentimes, you know, particularly in Australia or New Zealand, where 
there are, you know, whether they be a big budget project or even, you know, smaller budget or more indie things, um, you know, if the production maybe has made the decision, all right, we recognize that we have a need to bring in someone to do this particular hair, or this particular makeup style, it's easy to forget that that person is hired for their technical skills, but not necessarily for their professional film industry skills. So they might not know, yeah. you know, they might not know who to talk to and who right. not to, where catering is. And, you know, like there might be other skills that we have to be prepared to teach in exchange for the expertise that our teams don't have. No, definitely. There's a whole, I mean, people like there's a whole language of film, you know, like there's a whole language that we have that people on the outside, if they heard us talk, they're like, what are you talking about? You know, because it's a whole, it's a whole different vernacular that we have. So, you know, giving people the, you know, the opportunity to learn that and to grow in it, I think is like very, very important. And not, and, you know, yeah. and I always tell people like, you know, when I first started out, there's a lot of people who don't like me for different reasons. But part of it is because I was hard on people. I was really hard. And I was like, oh no, you're going to get this right now. now. You know, I still am the same, but I just do it a little nicer. You know, it's, I just, am, I just learned how to pet the cat. It's like, okay, so now I just need for you to do this now. I've just learned how to frame it a little bit different and still get the job done. And, and, you know, and no matter what, Sometimes the job is tough because you're dealing with people, you're dealing with people personalities. And I always say, you know, hair and makeup people are like herding cats. You can't herd cats, can you? So, you know, those are things that, you know, you just have to, especially as a department head, my ex-husband used to always tell me this. He's like, being a department head is not the popular position. So don't worry about your popularity, do your job. Mm. And when, and when I didn't think about my popularity and I was just like, hey, I have a job to do. That makes it so much more simpler to do my job, keep it very, very simple with people and to get the things that I want and don't take things personally. And, you know, just make the day run smoother when I got out of my own head. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you can't absolutely. make everybody happy. Oh, Lord, you cannot make everyone happy. And I've Look, learned this that's okay, too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you got to just do the work. Um, you just got to you just got to do the work and be diligent to it. And I will tell people sometimes because people get into it, and I would tell people one thing: I understand that you guys are having an issue, and I will deal with your issue, and we'll we'll talk it all out. But right now, the only thing that matters to me is what rolls in front of that camera. So you got to take whatever you are right now. We're going to put a lid on it. We'll deal with it. But what I care about is what happens in front of that camera, because that's why I'm here. And that's yeah. why I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, we have a question that came to me directly in the chat and it's just about yes. um, these big budget things sounds so great, but what is your version of this when you're either extremely compressed for budget or extremely compressed for time? Um, Actually, I do, I do movies the same. Like I still do, like I haven't done a little movie in a while. Let me not lie. I haven't done a little movie in a, in a while. But when I go do little movies, I still roll in with my 40 boxes. I'm still bringing my A game. Like I don't believe in, like I have had people say, well, if you're doing this movie, you shouldn't do this. I, I don't believe in that. Like I'm going to bring what I bring because that's, mm. that's what I'm hired to do. So, and I understand like, you know, if the budgets are smaller, if they're tighter, 
there's things, yeah, you're going to have to cut some corners. You might have to, you know, you might not be able to buy this kind of wig, but you have to do buy this kind of wig. But, you know, these are things like you just have to start like working them out in all different levels. But, you know, again, you're still so responsible to what the look of the film is and, you know, making sure that it is what I call film quality, that we're not mm. skimping on that. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. There's another question that's in the chat from Effie. Hey, Effie. Um, the question is, Hi, Effie. what prep would you recommend for hair for long-term production? So this is like, uh, you know, theater productions that might run for a year or uh, even TV things that will maybe run for, you'll, you'll be shooting for a couple of months uh, so that you're not stuck in cornrows for a whole year. I'm sorry, Effie, you're stuck in cornrows for a whole year. I get it. I'm going to say this, and I'm just, I don't cornrow people's hair because you don't have to. There's other wig wrap to do. There's other things to do so you don't have to be going around as cornrow Sally all the time. And I get it. So, you know, I think it's, again, it's education, education, education. You know, if people know different types of wig wraps, because every wig wrap, everybody doesn't need to be cornrows. There's different kinds of wig wraps for different type of heads, different head sizes you know, to achieve different things. So knowing your craft and knowing how to do it is what's important. Effie, I know that's not what you probably wanted to hear. I'm sorry, but that is really the truth. I'm sorry to say, I'm not sorry, but that's that's just really the truth. That's just really the truth. You don't have, you don't have to cornrow the hair down. You don't. And so would you say, you know, in that situation where you're an actor, maybe working with a team that is or isn't well versed on <clears throat> on black hair or textured hair, you know. Do do I as the actor present what my style is? Do I do the research? Does the team do the research? How do we make sure that I can spend the next year of my life feeling like myself for the hours that I'm not on? Um, right. You know, who does it? You know, it it really it really is on us. I'm going to tell you a big lesson I learned on my first Marvel movie, and I'll tell this Chris Evans. So Chris Evans, he was he was hell bent on wearing a toupee or a wig. I was like, why do you want to wear a toupee or wig? Like why? And he really and we really talked it out because I really didn't understand. I was like, you got a great head of hair. Why? He said because I'm Captain America for 16 hours a day. When I go home, I'm Chris, I'm, I just want to be Chris and I don't want to carry that home. And then I really got it. He really brought it home for me. So, you know, I think it is definitely important as it's, it's a collaboration. So, and I'll just say this, when I start designing, like right now, I'm starting to design a movie. So of course, I first talked to the director and then I started pulling photos. And then I talked to, I talked to costume talk to the makeup artist and then I talk to the actor so when I'm presenting to the actor I present a lookbook that's totally like looks that you know I've already talked to the director he has some idea and then I'm asking them what their ideas are once we go through that process then let's say we get down to two or three hairstyles that we'd like then from there I take those two or three hairstyles and then they are photoshopped love photoshop Photoshop on the actor. So then the actor can see, okay, this is how I'm going to look. Then this is how the studio, because, you know, big movies are done. I call it by committee. I don't, you know, I, I'm a worker bee. 
So again, then the studio gets to see, oh, this is how she's going to look in this scene. And then everybody can see what, and then it's much easier to get an approval through that process. And that's just one way that I design. Yeah. Uh, you know, AI is kind of a scary thing in the film and TV world, but sometimes it can be really useful. If we can no, it, I mean, Photoshop has, I'm going to say Photoshop has saved me so much time in the design process because people are visual. And a lot of times you could say, well, I'm going to do ABC. And like a lot of times you could see, I've seen the director's eyes glaze over. What is she really talking about? But if I show you a picture with the actress, if I show you something, they can be like, oh, yes or no, yay or nay. And the other, uh, the other trick that you also can do, like when you're in production is like, especially with Black Panthers, we did things like we have tests. We have Black Panther, Little Mermaid. We have test people that come in. And we test with them before we even get to the actor. Like for mm -hmm. Halle Bailey's look, I tested that look. There was two girls that I tested with for a couple of weeks till I got it where I wanted to, to and then presented it to production and then put it on her. She didn't have to sit in the chair while I was figuring it out, figuring out color, texture, length, did 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 all the things. I had two girls that I tested with. So again, you know, two, even like in the first Black Panther when we were designing looks, we had people that for each tribe that we tested with, we tested the looks, we tested the makeup, we tested the hair, we tested the wardrobe. So that was all part of the process in designing. So as you, when the actor sits in, we're not playing games with you. We're there to do our business and we're getting you in and out of the chair because we've already worked out the kinks. Right. Yeah. Um, um, there's another question that has been sent to me, um, about what kind of jobs give you the most artistic joy? What kind of, is it, you know, what brings you joy in your work? You, you know, it, it, it's so many things now, but I'm going to say overall, it is the script, but it's the people. The people are what makes this job. Like, you know, the people, the connections, it's our families that we're away from from 16 hours a day. Like, you know, when I go work on a Marvel movie, most of those people I've known for 15, 16, 20 years, some of them. You know, the first day, everybody's running around. Where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Where's Because we're family. So everybody's looking for each other. Let me see your grandkids. Let me see your kids. Let me see pictures. So it's always the connection of people because I always say this, I connect to people with my heart. So if mm -hmm. I connect with you with my heart, then you're in my heart. And that's, and that's what, and that's what it is. Yeah. Um, we've got another question in the chat, which I think is a really big one and a great one. Hey, oh. Sasha. Um, so Sasha says, uh, what would you suggest as a polite way to say to a hairstylist on set that you don't feel comfortable straightening your hair when you were cast with natural hairs or, um, you know, or vice versa? I mean, I think that's very simple. You tell people you don't, you don't, you will not, you don't like heat on your hair. And there's a lot of girls now who don't like heat on their hair. So it's flat out. I like my hair curly. This is, and I like this certain technique. I don't know if you like, you know, if you like finger coiled, you know, however, you know, however you like, but this is what I like my, how, how I like my hair done. These are the steps and I don't like heat on my hair. So please don't do that. Yeah. Yes. The the change to... And that's very common. That's very common. So it's it's okay to say it's very common. And you yeah. know, let me say this. 
there there's Caucasian actors actresses who don't who don't want don't want heat on their hair. So it's not something that is so strange not to ask for. So it's okay. Yeah. Um, there's a, another question in the chat that says, uh, as an actor, where can I go to find the best tips to prep for my hair type when I'm on productions where I have to do my own hair? Hmm. Prep. Say the question again. I just want to answer this correctly. Yeah. So where can I find the best tips to prep mm. for my hair type? when I'm on productions where I have to do my own hair? Honestly, I still say YouTube TV. YouTube, we call it university. There are so many women on there doing their hair, practicing, doing things at all different levels. You can watch a tour tutorials and there's so many things you can learn about. I mean, everything from A to Z. I say go on there, start watching, and it will actually help you learn how to how to do certain things, definitely. I've been in situations in the past where um, I've been booked for something and uh, um, you know, my agent is wonderful and knows that the very first person I want to talk to is hair and makeup before we do go any right. further. And um, you know, oftentimes they'll send me someone and I'll say, great, what's the look, what's the plan for this character? And, you know, sometimes I'll send, you know, a picture of my hair, curly a picture of it slicked back a picture of it with a twist out and I'll say which one are you planning for so maybe an extension of that question is um you know how do you gently say or do you say great well if you want my hair straightened then that requires me to go to the salon and xyz like then there's it's not as easy as just a wash and go right how can you have the conversations I think it's just honest question. I mean, I think honest conversation. And again, like, and you guys, especially, you can use your agents and managers. Agents and managers call me all the time. All the time. And I've become friends with two managers. Actually, now we're friends. We're buddies. Because it's okay for them to call me and say, hey, Camille friend, I have blah, blah, blah coming. This is a situation. We need to get ahead of this. Can you call her now? And it's like, Yes. And mm. so having that conversation, showing pictures, and just, I mean, just what you have to know. And I wish that the world was different, but you have to advocate for yourself. You have to speak up. But, you know, the way that you speak to people, you, you still want to lead in love. You want to lead in kindness. And, you know, and, and that's what it is. And, you know, listen, even if you know, like you're sitting in the chair and you know that they don't got it, it's okay to say, you know what? I know that this situation is not going to be good for either one of us. So how can we solve this now? Is there somebody in the trailer who can help me? Yeah. Is there somebody else? Because like, I mean, there's sometimes like, you know, actors, some actors personality might not gel with, with a hair or makeup artist. And it's like, sure. I have to move people. Like things, like things happen where people just, just don't gel. And, and it just yeah. doesn't work. And that's okay to say that it doesn't work. But I think it's really important just to be, just to have up, you know, upfront, open, you know, questions and, and real discussions with people. And you just have to be honest. You just, you just gotta be honest. And I know yeah. sometimes that's hard, but you have to be honest. And when people get offended, you know, I actually heard this yesterday or the other day. So anger is not a true like feeling anger is a reaction mm -hmm. so anger comes from fear 
it comes from lack of knowledge or lack of understanding or, you know, all of those things. So when people get angry, that's your antenna. You know yeah. where it comes from. And then you can address it. You know, if they if they come in, it's like, you can't tell me. And you're like, listen, this is my hair. I want to discuss this with you. If you don't have the tools, I can accept that. But there's no reason to get angry. We need to, everybody needs to stay calm in these situations because yeah. there's no reason to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I know they're they're telling me to wrap it up, but there was just one tiny quick question, which we're answering thirty seconds. Um, it's no, no, about no, go men. Ahead. You're fine. Um, men's hair, you know, uh, we often see these luscious locks. We don't see thinness. We don't see touch ups. Um, any tips for men, particularly if there's sensitivity around thinness or balding? So, I think there's a couple things, like you know, and, and two, when you're talking to the hairstylist, you can tell them. My hair is slightly thin. I'm gonna need, you know, I'm gonna need some filler. Like, you know, fillers can can go from everywhere from airbrush to um to a foundation to an eyeshadow to um even like a fiber, like a like a fiber that we use. So there's a lot of different ways to add hair texture into it, but those are something you can say as an actor, you know, it's it's okay to say that, you know. And I always say, that's what dreams are made of. We're here to like to, to make your hair whatever dream that you want it to be. So if it's filling in your hairline in the corners, or if it's, you know, one of my favorite things to do is to make these little tiny hair pieces. Like if somebody's receding, I make little tiny hair pieces here and here. I'm not trying to make your hairline back to here, but if you split the difference, just that looks good on camera. That's like just a little trick. <laughs> I call it little caterpillar pieces. So, but, you know, all those little things make just like a little difference, you know, so, you know, but asking to have your, your scalp filled in, there's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. That's part of the you job. Yeah. Um, Camille friend, thank you so much for this conversation. I can just see as I scroll through all the faces of people who feel seen, feel represented, feel heard. Uh, I see people who have learned a lot and hopefully will take away some great tools and learnings around how to better support artists who um, have been historically made to feel unruly or you know difficult. So um, I just want to genuinely thank you so much. My little Black Australian American American heart. It's so happy to have this conversation. Um, and I just want to thank you so much for your time today. No, I just want to say thank you to everybody for, for hanging out and having, you know, sometimes it can be a tough conversation, but we, we can do this and we can change, like I said, we can change the world. And again, you can, you can catch me. I'm on Instagram, Camille Friends, and also my company is hairscholars.com and we give classes. And if you ever like, I'm serious, if you get in a pinch, DM me. I actually answer my own DMs. I still do, especially on my personal. I, I do I do handle my own DMs. And if you get into a bind, I'm serious, hit me up because I'm always there to answer. And you know, I'm here to help the community. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 an inside job and we're still working from the inside out. And we will continue to do the things that to make this to make this business and industry better and our world better. Thank you so much. Uh well, hand it back. I just wanted to say um, it's Alex here, uh, Camille and Cecily. I just want to say on behalf of Equity and the Equity Foundation, a really enormous thank you to both of you on behalf of all of us and, of course, Media Super, our sponsor. But this has been a wonderful conversation, something we haven't done. So it's been a wonderful opportunity. 
So thank you both. Thank so you much. guys. Thank you. Thank you guys. So we'll look forward to seeing your next films. Oh, yeah. I don't have. What do I have coming out? Hardly anything now that we've been on strike. Oh, Piano Lesson will come out sometime on Netflix. I guess. I guess probably sometime next year. Piano Lesson with John David Washington and Sam Jackson and a host of other a whole bunch of other people and all all produced and everything by the Denzel Washington family, all of them. The, the son directed Malcolm producing, everybody's all in there. So that actually, that would be my next project coming out. Yeah. Well, we can't wait. So thank you so much again. Thank you all. Thank you and guys. Thank you. thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> thank you for listening to this podcast. Brought to you by our principal sponsor, Media Super and the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work we do, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Equity Foundation Australia on Facebook and Instagram.